Section 10 of Stupermundi, The Life and Times of Frederick II by Lionel Alshorn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5, The First Excommunication, Part 2. The address which contained so much exaggeration and no little deliberate falsehood, and which branded the emperor as a malingerer and a liar, was embodied in a letter and circulated among the ecclesiastical dignitaries of Europe. Frederick received the news of his excommunication with a calmness that must have been far more exasperating to Gregory than a passionate outburst of wrath. The sentence itself he treated with lofty contempt. The clergy throughout the kingdom were ordered to continue to perform their sacred offices, which the excommunication prohibited, and willingly or reluctantly they obeyed. At the same time he was careful to protect them from the violence of his indignant partisans, who would have avenged the Pope's insult on the Pope's underlings. The letter of accusation was answered by one of exculpation and counter-accusation, which was dispatched to the monarchs and princes of Europe. "'We are loath to say it,' ran the imperial missive, "'but our hopes have been deceived.' The end of all things is at hand. Love is waxing cold, not only in its branches, but in its roots. The Roman Empire, the bulwark of the faith, is being assailed by its own fathers. If an enemy were to attack us, we should grasp the sword. But when the Vicar of Christ arises against us, our reverence for the blessed St. Peter causes us to pause in amazement. Let the whole world hear the provocations we have received. These are detailed at some length and a special grievance related to the Pope's refusal to believe in Frederick's illness. Our apostolic Lord did not deal fairly with the ambassadors we sent him. They were ready to explain all, but he was scarcely listened to them. It is said that he consulted with each prelate in private and warned each not to depart from the sentence arranged beforehand prior to the defense made by our envoys. Thus the council arrived at a conclusion without hearing what he had to bring forward. Besides this, the men of Rieti, the subjects of the Pope, on hearing of our embarkation, made an attack on our kingdom, but were beaten off. All this we desire to make known to the whole world. In spite of all, we shall not desist from the service of Christ. Perhaps it has all been ordained for the best, since we shall be able to do more in Palestine next year. We ask you to help, as we mean to set forth in May. We also ask you to send envoys to us at Ravenna in mid-Lent, when we shall hold a diet for the maintenance of peace in Italy. The letter sent to Henry III of England contained timely references to recent English history. Take warning from the past, has not the unjust interdict of the Pope reduced the Count of Toulouse and many other princes to servitude? Did not Innocent III urge the noble barons of England to insurrection against John, the enemy of the Church? But no sooner had the humiliated king subjected his realm like a dastard to the Sea of Rome than having sucked the fat of the land, he abandoned those barons to shame, ruin, and death. Such is the way of Rome— under words as smooth as oil and honey lies the rapacious bloodsucker. The Church of Rome is like a leech. She calls herself my mother and nurse, 
while all her acts have been those of a stepmother. The whole world pays tribute to the avarice of Rome. Her legates travel through all lands, with full powers of ban and interdict and excommunication, not to sow the seed of the word of God, but to extort money, to reap what they have not sown. The primitive church, founded on poverty and simplicity, brought forth numberless saints. She rested on no foundation but that which had been laid by our Lord Jesus Christ. The Romans are now rolling in wealth. What wonder that the walls of Rome are undermined to the base and threaten utter ruin. The well-deserved censure on ecclesiastical luxury and avarice was followed by a warning that the Pope's attack on the Emperor was fraught with danger to other monarchs. Remember that when your neighbor's wall is on fire, your own property is at stake. Frederick then proceeded to secure allies in the enemy's citadel. He invited to his court the Frangipani and other patrician families of Rome, bought all their lands and houses from them at their own valuation, and then handed them back to them as feudal holdings. By this lavish transaction he bound the families to his cause as his own vassals, who owed him homage and service, in return for the fiefs he had bestowed upon them. Whether the subsequent occurrence was the direct outcome of this politic generosity is unknown, but at any rate, a few weeks later, Gregory received convincing proof of the emperor's popularity with the citizens of Rome. He had recently repeated the sentence of excommunication with a more emphatic denunciation of the emperor's conduct, and was celebrating Mass in St. Peter's when the common folk broke out into hissings and abusings, and evinced so marked a hostility that Gregory was compelled to flee from Rome and take refuge in Perugia. Meanwhile, Frederick, undeterred by the papal fulminations, was making ready to resume the voyage to the Holy Land which his illness had interrupted. The death of the Sultan Moadin of Damascus, the most dreaded of the Moslem chiefs, and the subsequent dissension that raged among his sons seemed a favorable omen for the success of the venture. Domestic trouble was not allowed to hinder the cause. In the April of 1228, the Empress Yolanda died, after giving birth to a son, Conrad. The child-wife was buried with the honors fitting her high estate, and Frederick, now a widower for the second time at the age of thirty-three, turned from her grave to wrest the heritage she had brought to him from the hands of the infidels. Before his departure he held a great assembly in the open air at Barletta, and appointed Reynold of Spoleto, to the vice-regency of the kingdom. Henry, already elected as his successor to the imperial crown, was named as his heir to the kingdom of Sicily. The babe Conrad, his second son, was to succeed on the event of Henry's death. From Barletta, the emperor proceeded to Brindisi, and there issued an edict withdrawing the grant of the March of Ancona, which he had made to the papacy at his coronation. We made our grant to the church, he wrote to the inhabitants of the march, without intending to give up the rights of the empire. The popes have abused our kindness. They have tried to withdraw our lieges from the service due to us. 
they have besides installed as your magistrates men who are the sons of schism and discord we have therefore resolved to revoke our grant to the church from otranto the final port of embarkation he issued one more protest against the harshness of gregory addressed to his subjects throughout the empire and the kingdom we have sent envoys to the pope for forgiveness even more frequently than became our dignity we have lately sent to him the archbishop of magdeburg and two judges of our court but they could not prevail upon him even to name his own terms he has allowed his subjects the men of rieti to make an attack upon our kingdom he has made use of the money subscribed for the crusade to raise soldiers for the purpose of harassing us still we are bent on the service of christ we are just about to set sail for syria with a fair wind we order you all to do your best to aid us in the cause of palestine the pope showed no signs of relenting his final message to the departing crusader was a peremptory order forbidding frederick to sail while under the church's ban frederick ignored the command and assembled his men a force of five hundred knights had already been dispatched some months before and great quantities of supplies he had also been over lavish with his grants to needy pilgrims who had besought his help on their journey to the east and his treasury was almost exhausted it was therefore with no great pomp that he sailed for palestine on the twenty ninth of june and only a hundred knights accompanied him he sailed more like a pirate than an emperor sneered the vicar of christ End of section ten